This podcast contains potentially adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly sexual context. Listener discretion is advised. Stop drinking wine. No, drinking with authors, the literary presentation. I'm your host, Erica Lance. With me today as my co-host is... J.M. Paquette. And our amazing and fantastical guest that literally does it all is Grace Salmon. (laughs) Great to be here. Let's talk about what we're drinking. I I have a little bit left, but I have a gin and tonic with some lime in it. I maybe took the drinking with all this shot glass, which holds two shots and put two of those in there. So I probably should back down on tick. What are you drinking? I am drinking autumn harvest tea. It is very good because summer is too hot. Yeah, that is true. Grace, you now have a fabulous alcoholic beverage. What are you drinking? I've got yes. seltzer here and red wine here. Uh, two, two fister. <laughs> okay, this is the rapid fire questions episode that I get teased for not knowing rapid. You shut up because I figured out the rapid fire questions, Jen. Okay. <laughs> First thing, they give me so much crap because I usually go about three and then depending on how much I've drank, I don't remember. Okay. What is your favorite book of all time and why? Favorite book of all time, I'm going to say Rebecca by Daphne du Maurier because I, it was the first book I read with somebody else and it was my mom. So favorite children's book, absolutely Black Beauty, but I always have a soft spot in my heart because my mom and I sat and we read it together. We each had our own copies and it has such an amazing, shocking end. And my book has an amazing, shocking end. That is very awesome. What is your least favorite book? Oh, I don't have a least favorite book. I, I used to say that I had a least favorite genre, which was fantasy. But now that I'm part of a author community i'm reading i'm reading young adult i'm reading fantasy so no i don't have a least favorite book yeah see i would say even from high school college you don't have a least favorite book you were forced to read no oh you were you were a positive person do you finish books no (laughs) okay i'm learning whatever no i i sometimes um if i really can't get into the characters and that's very important for me character driven books and setting driven books i you know if i'm not in the first three chapters i'm then a a speed reader you know if i if i have to read it you know the first first paragraph of every chapter last paragraph of every chapter go on and be done with it otherwise i just close the book do you read on paper or do you read on a screen i like to read now because i'm old i like to read on my ipad because you can make it bigger i can make it bigger i can make it brighter i also love that i can do things like highlight it and turn it into a pretty quote if i know the author i just finished laney cameron's book called exit strategy and you know i can quote a little thing kindle turns it into a really pretty quote i can send it to laney or i can post it so i'm definitely preference as an e-reader Yeah, I think that's funny after you said the technology was getting away from you a little bit, because that's, most people don't know how to do that whole highlight trick in Kindle. I always think it's funny when I'm reading Kindle to see what other people have, 
Yes. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, what very interesting. are you thinking? But 141 people thought this was very important. And I'm like, okay. And I love it because I read Mary Sheriff's book, which is wonderful, called Boop and Eve's Road Trip. And that was the first time I realized I, I was just going to quote this one section and sent it to her and said, Mary, I'm really enjoying this part. And it turned it into this great quote. Now, Mary is much younger than I am. I think she's 45. And she was like, how did you do that? And I just love that every now and then the old dog has a trick. That is awesome. When, when you have paper books, though, did you highlight them? Did you did you write in your books? Uh, certainly all the academic books I did. Um, not so much novels. I'm a, I'm a dog-ear person. If there's a particularly nice passage, I might, but not usually. What is your favorite book to reread? Do you reread books? I don't as a rule, but there's a wonderful book called David, uh, Devil in the White City. And I'm going to forget the name of the author. It's a guy. It's an amazing book about, and it's got a lot of factoids. And I love that. I put a lot of factoids in my book. And there's two storylines. And one is the World's Fair. And then the, underneath it, there's a serial killer. So, um, Alex, you might really like that. But there's so many factoids. It's about the Chicago World's Fair way back in the day. And there's all sorts of things like this guy is building this big display and his young son, Walt, is taking notes on how his father is building the display. And 25 years later, Walt Disney built Disneyland. So it's just an amazing read, Devil in the White City. He wrote another one about Nazi Germany, which I did not like as well, but I'm always recommending Devil in the White City. Very cool. What did you write your thesis on? I picked a non-thesis option. So that was really a good option for me. <laughs> um, but I did have to write a major paper, which was on women and entrepreneurship. I've started four different companies. So I wrote a major paper on uh, women and entrepreneurship. And it had a lot to do with birth order, too. That, that was just an interesting side bit that if you look at women who are heads of companies, they're almost always firstborn women or first, firstborn children or firstborn girls in a family. Really? I don't know if that's, yeah, I don't know if that would still be statistically true, but back in the day when I was doing my research, that was true. What's your favorite area to research? Um, I love medical research because I'm just so fascinated that we all function as bodies. So I, I love doing that, but I love any piece of research that makes the story more true. Uh, we're recording this on a very important day in American history on Juneteenth. And one of the things I love is that there is a, a, a section of my novel where one of the African-American women is discussing something with one of the white women. They both live in community. They all live in community atop Calvert Cliffs, Maryland. And they're talking about what kind of activities they should have on the farm. And one of them says Juneteenth. And the other one says, I don't know what that is. And then I had to go out and I knew what it was from my work in Washington, DC, but I had to go out and do more research. So I was more clear. And then they were going to serve food. So I had to figure out what foods were involved with that. So that was a very fun bit of research for me. It's also really cool that the book's only been out a year 
And that's now obsolete because we're a year ago, I would say most Caucasians didn't know that Juneteenth was this important day that slavery actually ended two years after it was supposed to in Texas. And therefore, um, that, that I love that it's now an obsolete piece in the book. Yes, and I love that it's now a national holiday. Isn't it fabulous? About time, amen. It was, yes, I, it was interesting because earlier this year I said, I, this is going to be a national holiday. I was talking about it at work and they were like, oh, they haven't made national holidays. And I'm like, okay. So it was so fun the other day. I got to walk in and go, don't you so. <laughs> I am the predictor of things. <laughs> so very cool. Okay. Next question is what is the thing that will throw you the most out of the story as a reader? As I'm reading somebody else's work? Yep. I think if, if the details aren't right. If the details just aren't right, we just we just finished watching um, the Longmire series. Okay. It's a it's a wonderful crime series. It takes place in Wyoming. It's actually filmed in filmed in New Mexico. There were so many times where I was like, he would not do that, or that would not have happened, or oh come on, you know, he just dropped his cell phone, or so. There's, I think the. If it becomes unbelievable, then I turn on my drama director hat and I, I pick it apart. I, I agree 100%. What about you as an author? What do you what is your editors told you your sort of little quirk is or your quirks have been as a writer? I don't, I don't know that I have quirks. I'm going to go back to the other thing for a second, though, because I read an advanced copy of a friend of mine, and she had her friend, her main character come down the staircase in a white dress. And then when she stood up for dinner, she smoothed her ivory skirt. It doesn't work. Um, but my quirk, I don't, I don't know that anybody has told me that I have quirks. I know that I love to throw in the medical stuff. I know that I have a thing about the number three because I had to look up something when I was, I don't know if it was editing or I was preparing something and I knew I had three something. And I think that I had something like 97 words, three, you know, the word three showed up 97 times. So that's quirky, but I don't know if anybody else has noticed that. When you're, when you're writing, do you pause to go do research or do you just make a note and be like, look more into this later? It depends on if it's pulling me out of the story. If, if I can say, and, and one of the places I'm stuck now and what I'm thinking about writing now is I, I, I want to write this one character is going to be a suffragette. And really, I only know, I, all I need to know is like, were there any suffragettes killed in Cleveland, Ohio during this period? So really what I do is I bracket that as a question because what was happening to me is I'd go, I wonder about the suffragette movement in Cleveland, Ohio. And then two hours later, I'm learning about this, that, and the other thing. So I'm trying to be more disciplined about putting in a bracket, what is that question? In the eaves, there's a character who has brain cancer. And I wanted to know what the available treatments were and what the most bizarre treatments were. So there I put a placeholder. So I, I do both, Jen. But, but obviously you go completely down the rabbit hole when you go look up that question. 
I do. So this is something authors suffer from is you, it's how important is that factoid and what is the factoid you need and how much background do you need for it? I think, you know, you talk about asking questions before you type the hit into Google, the you Googling, you should ask yourself that question. We, we talked one of the other um, wonderful people that hosts with me. She was adding a scarf to her story and it was a scarf from a certain time period. She spent four hours about the clothing and the stupid scarf. And the scarf is in one sentence. Yes. In the story, I'm like, you wasted four hours over a scarf? But now she knows all there is to know <laughs> yes. about scarves and fabric and dyeing and how they all work together in you know 1920s. <laughs> but you see, we love all of that stuff. So what we really should do is write, put in the essential question, figure that out, and then go, okay, I'm going to blow an hour of fun research. I was listening to a historical uh, fiction writer the other day, and she was talking about how she totally went down the rabbit hole because she had a revolutionary uh, soldier button, uh, a button on his sleeve. And then she said, I wondered if he had buttons. Did he have one of those what I would have think of elastic, obviously it wasn't elastic. I have no idea how those blousey sleeves came together, but she was like, did they have buttons? Was it this? Were, were they wooden buttons? Were they bone buttons? And yeah, it's easy to go down the rabbit hole. And now she can watch hours like later, antique show and be like, that button is the one that's worth. That's right. This button. Let me describe this button. For six paragraphs, when all I'm really wanting to say is, and he buttoned his left sleeve. Yes. Yeah, because there are so many readers like myself that will be like, skip to the end. Like, I cannot stand it when people describe things in such a ridiculous manner. That's one of my pet peeves. I'm like, I don't care. Is How important is the leaves and the veins and the leaves on this tree? Because if that is not worth learning about them, very important. Yes. Ah. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about reviews. Do you leave reviews? Do I leave them or do I read them? Oh, that's two questions. Both. How do you leave them? Uh, yes, I leave them. And that's a whole nother odd discussion about when do you leave a re review? How many stars do you give somebody? Do you always give somebody five stars? I'm of the opinion that if I can't write a review that gives somebody at least three stars, I will tell the person it just wasn't a good fit because not every, you know, my book of course is the best book that has ever been written in all of mankind. But I also realized that there might be two people on the planet who don't actually think that. So not every book is for every reader or reviewer. And I think that's really important to hold in your, in your mind. Uh, but I also don't want, quite honestly, I don't want all five-star reviews. I mean, I do, of course, want all five-star reviews. So on Goodreads, for example, I do follow them. I'm tracking it 4.5 stars. And I'm still a little bit mad at this woman named Patricia who didn't leave a review. She just gave me one star. But I'm 4.5 stars. What's with that, right, Jen? But on Amazon, I'm at like 4.89 stars or something, for which I'm really grateful. And I love it 
and that would be something I would say to any of your listeners. If you're going to give me a star, even if it's a one star, tell me why you didn't like the book. Um, somebody get, I was just, it's funny. I, I haven't checked reviews in a long time, but I had some time today and somebody gave me a three-star review and I was hurt. I was like, oh, wait, almost everybody else has given me really good reviews. Why? But it was actually a lovely review. Um, the, the reviewers, um, comment was it was a great story they had lots of good things to say but they didn't really like the main character and i can understand that she's very flawed so they have a lot of good things to say and three stars is not a bad review um so i for myself i leave reviews i think that's really important um leave a review it's author's Authors live and die on those reviews. I think I have 75 reviews, which is pretty good on Amazon right now. I think I have 50 or 60 on Goodreads, which is also considered pretty good. I'd like more um, because the algorithms change, right? And as you know, the algorithm change, you pop up in front of more people. So yes, I leave reviews. Um, If it's not for me, I contact the author ahead of time. I think that's great. Um, You know, one of the things we, we often say on the show is if the book is not for you don't review the book right if it's not your thing don't review it because you do a disservice because you're not giving an awesome thing but i think it's interesting you got a three-star your review and you're like oh you know i think for a lot of authors it's great reviews are important they algorithms marketing blah 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 but if you do not have thick skin do not read reviews because it's other people's perception of your baby and other people might think you have an ugly baby. And <laughs> if you do not take somebody saying you have an ugly baby, don't read reviews. Also, a lot of times, I mean, I think a lot of people say, go look up the reviews on the hunger games or go look up the reviews on Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone and stuff, because there are, I mean, they have hundreds, if not thousands of reviews, but there are one star reviews that, say people hated the, like, it's, it'll happen. You just have to go. That's what that person thought, but they did buy your book. That's how I always look at it. I always go, Mm -hmm. well, thank you for buying my book. Even if you disliked it. One of the, the first short story I ever published, I got a horrible review that said that I was encouraging suicide and stuff like that. And it was just, it, it was a, it was a short story book. And a lot of us, I think Jen was in it too, got blasted. One story she liked. She liked one story in the whole 10 story book, but blasted the rest of us in the story thing. Wow. It was funny because at first I was like, should I be mad about this? And then I went, well, screw that. I'm not mad about it. She didn't get it. Like, she's not my audience. She didn't get the book. I don't care what she thinks. Right. But she bought the book. So thank you for spending money on our book. That was very nice of you. We appreciate that. You know, that's a great perspective. I haven't, I don't totally have that thick skin yet, but I'm getting better. Yeah. Well, and that's why I go, then don't read the reviews as much because it shouldn't change the way you write. Agreed. And it can dissuade people if they don't, they're not strong enough to go, cool, that was a review, I'm going to write the next book. Yes. And I think that's also true. Do you, you, you talk about the author community you've, you know, become more entrenched in, that's the word I'm going to use. Um, do you feel like you, how do you approach when other authors ask you to read their books? In two ways. First of all, I think there's a lot of quid pro quo 
I'd be happy to. Will you read mine and will you review mine? So I think that that's a fair thing to say. And the other thing is I'm really glad it doesn't happen more often because I'm swamped. And I'm trying to be retired. Apparently, my son told me the other day I was a horrible example for how you retire. You are a horrible example of how you retire. (laughs) I don't think people should necessarily retire, though, because there's a lot of people that just stop doing stuff and then they die. Yeah. Like, you got to keep busy. But So I think that um, I I feel really badly. and, And Nola wouldn't mind that I said this because hopefully by the time we air this, I will have finished her book, but um, I, I'm delighting. She, she actually writes in a genre I wouldn't normally read. She's a beautiful writer, but I'm, I'm like reading five pages a day and <clears throat> excuse me, normally I would be done by now, but life gets busy. Life gets busy, but I also think like a lot of, you, you have to put yourself in a position because when other authors give you books, they're going to assume you like their book. And it's, it's very different. I mean, depending, like I I've, I've had authors with that. I've met at conventions and stuff and I bought their books. Like it's a support thing for other authors. Like, Oh, this looks like a neat book. Right. But if, when somebody reaches out and goes, Oh, do you want to read my book? And I I'll be honest. We have that a lot on the podcast. I don't read every book that I get on the podcast. I get sent a lot of copies. One is because of timing And two, I go, no, because I want to talk to the author and hear this great story about the author, but I might not love their book. It might not be my kind of thing or what I want to read. Jen, of course, will read every book and whatever it's. Thank you. I'm getting better about not finishing books if, if they're really, really not interesting. I'm struggling right now. I'm reading an arc like, uh, and it's, it's, it's my genre. It's fantasy. It's funny. It has not been edited. It's missing words. There's typos throughout. And the editor in me, like my teeth hurt. <laughs> oh yeah. You shouldn't have that book yet. Right. But, but the, the characters are so funny. So I'm like, how do I review this? Do I say like your story's great, but you need to reread this please. Yes. Yes. Well, I think you could say the story's great. The character is great. However, as an editor, I can tell you this book has not been edited well. Yeah. This needs, at least one more do. pair of eyes than yours. You, yeah. You're Jen. I always joke with her. I'm like, you're such an incredibly nice person because I, on the other hand, I don't care. Would have chucked that book. It would have been done. Like I would have been super done with it. And I don't write one star reviews for people. I I don't believe in doing that. But I would have emailed that author and gone, listen, I'm just letting you know, I stopped at page X. Because this book has not been edited well. Yes. You're missing words. There's grammar issues. And it threw me completely out of the story. Jen's yes. forced to read papers. You've been in education. You go through having to do certain things. So I think there's a different um, part that's built in. But I don't. And I don't have the time for it. So I'm just like, there are tools out there you can use to do this. Go use them. Like, Well, and I would encourage Jen. I mean, you could easily say... I find this engaging at the start. However, I'm pulled out of the story too much by the, the grammar or the whatever. I encourage you to get that fixed with somebody and then please resubmit it because mm-hmm. there's so many books and, and, and we need that. Authors need that. You know, of course, we want you to fall in love with our story. We want you to think, oh, I don't care the fact that it's, you know, poorly written or in terms of some of the pieces, but I think you're ultimately doing a service 
to the um, to the author. It's that same like you don't know what you don't know. Yes. So you know you're read you're reading and then you read your book and you're like yeah mine's fine you don't see your own mistakes like I'm an editor I don't edit my own books I can't right. like I'm not going to see the mistakes I made they have to go to somebody else to to be not in my brain. Absolutely. No, exactly. I I don't ever make mistakes when I'm writing, right, Jen? Never. 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 I'm You're just, perfect in every way. I mm-hmm. am. I'm like a perfect little flower that never changes the name of characters from one chapter to another. <laughs> never. That never happens. Nope. Don't change <laughs> eye colors or shirt colors or who is this new person? Oh, that's supposed to be the same person. <laughs> you know what? There's a lot of judgment from my editor over there. Shut I it. I love it. But I take, that's the other thing is I take editing really well. So how did that go for you when your book was edited? Oh, in some ways, it's exactly the kind of things we've been talking about. My youngest character, Erica, she was like 13 on one page and two pages later, she was 15. And, you know, later on, she was 16. And so those are really, really helpful. I'm also really lucky that if I have good pages, I'll print them off. And my husband will read them, and then he'll read them back to me. And and that's my favorite. That might be my favorite part of the writing process, because not only is it a nice moment between us, but I know that I can hear my own mistakes differently than if I'm reading them. But I also get a different feel for what's going on in the story. Do I have the voices right, for example? My characters are very ethnically diverse. I've got black people, white people, Latinx people. There's people who are part Native American. There's a lesbian couple. So I need to hear that, actually hear it, not read it um, back to see, am I stereotyping? Am I getting it right? Am I, what are the things, particularly as a Caucasian writer, I have an additional um, onus of responsibility to get voices correct, I think. But that's absolutely my favorite part of the writing process. And there's a scene where one of the characters dies, um, or she's actually dead already, but they're recounting her death in my book. And I loved it because I was sitting there writing at night, which doesn't always happen. I, I tend to be a during the day person, but I was sitting there writing at night and I heard my husband crying in the next room. I was like, oh, my God, I did it. I did it. I made him cry. That so was great. I think it's funny that you preface with you were happy about the death and <laughs> your husband cried. So I, I hope people take the right way from this podcast. Her next book will be a horror story. About- <laughs> Lots of death and destruction. So much death and destruction. Okay. Well, Jen, I'm going to let you ask the final rapid fire question. Um, when you are writing, do you listen to music? And if you do, does it have words? No, I don't. And that's funny because the main character in The Eves constantly listens to music. Music is super important throughout the book. And there's actually a playlist written out at the end of the book. And I never listen to music. It, I just knew Jessica did. I do not. That is awesome. Well, I would love for you to announce when your next book's coming out. And I'll do that on our next show. I cannot <laughs> wait. That was a good answer. That was good recovery. Good recovery. High five to good recovery. That was awesome. High five. Okay. 
You have been thoroughly amazing again, because this is the second episode. Tell people how to find you. Um, thank you. This has been really a joy. I love in your show that you say it's like walking into a bar and drinking with authors. I would drink with you guys anytime. So thanks for having me. You can find me at grace at gracesalmon.net. Email me anytime, grace at gracesalmon.net. It's not spelled like the fish. It's spelled S-A-M-M-O-N, but it sounds like the fish. You can find me at Grace Salmon Writes on both Facebook and Instagram, or just find me on my regular personal Facebook page where I'm probably most active. Awesome. And your radio show? We're going to do self-promotion. You see how this goes? Radio show? I love that. So the radio show should air in early August. Uh, we start taping just last week. If you're listening to this today in mid-July yeah. in the old time warp land of podcasts, the name of the uh, radio show is called The Storytellers, and it's authors and others who leave their mark on the world through the art of story. And I will be um, hosting authors and other people who leave their mark on the world. It'll be on SOB Radio, which stands for uh, Spunky Old Broads, which is fabulous, and on Society Bites Radio, which is part of the National Ear Radio Network, and then it turns into a podcast. That is so awesome. This Thank is so you. Thank and you're so much fun. Thank you so much again for being with us. You were the best, fun. both of you. Oh, thank you. Okay, so this has been Drinking with Authors, Literary Briefs. Our guest has been Grace Sammons. I've been your host, Erica Lance, and my co-host today is... And we will see you next time. Take care, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>